Welcome to Under the Fig Tree Podcast. In today's episode, hosts Reverend Micah Glenn and Reverend Dr. Ben Haupt sit down with a special guest as they meditate under the fig tree. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Under the Fig Tree. Ben, next time, open the podcast. <laughs> I, now, that, now that I've been back for two episodes, I'm sure that the people miss you introducing the podcast. From the people that I have talked to okay. since I've hosted, Got it. that is not the case. All right. Well, <laughs> although I, I did want to, uh, I joked with somebody today that I was going to open the podcast with V Gates, V Gates, V Gates, which is German, but um, I'm not funny. This, this is why I'm, I don't let Ben open the podcast. I, I, I hope you all got a <laughs> chuckle, but <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all, this is... Uh, th- this is why we work well together. I do my best, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Good I'm stuff. mostly laugh-worthy. All right. Well, today, everyone, I, if you care about my health at all, I have been spraying my nose with Flonase, so allergies are 98% in check. Not perfect, right. but you know. I'll let you know if I see a little bit dribbling out. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to let it drip today. <laughs> uh, anyway. So we have gross. two wonderful guests joining us on the podcast today. Two deaconess students. Uh, Laura, I yeah. want to say your last name. It is, uh, I just, this Go is terrible. Um, McCormick. Ha, I yeah, got there. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah. We're also joined by Alyssa Choate. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too re- long ago, it was Alyssa Leyenbauer from a, a long line of Leyenbauer church mm-hmm. workers. Um, Lutheran yeah. Mafia. Yes. <laughs> Somebody has to be. Well, right. welcome to Under the Fig Tree. How are the two of you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I said happy earlier this morning to Dr. Oswald, mm-hmm. and he said, it's Lent. And I was like, <laughs> oh, sad. It's sunny. <laughs> it's a sunny so day repentant. during Lent. We're, it's early in Every the semester, though, right? right? So you don't have kind tons of. of homework, maybe? It's starting to turn to spring. Winter is like, you know. <laughs> The, the snow is melting, like yeah. in uh, what's that C.S. Lewis series that everybody loves? Narnia. Oh, right, right. Spring is arriving. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's great. I, I'm not a big fan of winter. The listeners all know that it's a very worthless season, and people who like snow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, anyway, so uh, well, good. It's good to have you both on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, we're not taking you away from too much homework and too much class stuff at the moment. Again, Ben said it's early, but yeah. No, this is awesome. I'm excited. I feel so official. I don't know. It's weird to hear my own voice in my ears yeah, the, in this capacity. But you know what's really weird is I've I've had a couple we've had a couple of visitors on campus and I'll say something like, Hey, welcome to campus and they'll go, Are you Dr. Haupt? And they know me just from my voice. Wow. And it's like, oh and one person even wanted a selfie. I, I thought, wow. You've made it. I think it. I've, I've, I've <laughs> officially yeah, made it. Made it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, big yeah. time. And then, and then people ask to see the studio. And then it's like, oh yeah, I'll show have. you. And then yeah. like, oh, this is it. And I'm, I'm glad that people are impressed because they see this side of the studio. Right. But, but we are in the basement of a, a building on the seminary campus. Yeah. Our set is wonderful. Yeah. And if it weren't for this set, uh, we probably wouldn't be recording this on video. Right. Because... Who wants to see the rest of this basement? Anyway, 
there's a scary, I don't know, like the mannequin. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah, yeah. It's like from the Doctor Who episode. It, he, it used to be standing up over oh, on yeah. the other set with like a hat on. Right. And like, yeah, you catch your eyes, you walk into the, the studio. Like, uh, yeah, God. for sure. Mannequins are weird. They're creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So Alyssa and Laura, you're both Deaconess students mm-hmm. at CSL. And how long have you been students here? I'm a second year Deaconess. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a first year, so since this fall. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the Deaconess program. For we, we've, we've had a couple of episodes where we've talked about the Deaconess program, but just to uh, refresh listeners or if we have some new listeners, tell us kind of the, the basics of the Deaconess program. How many years is it? What are the kinds of things that you study? Uh, just give us a little overview. One of you jump in. Okay, well, uh, the Deaconess program, it, it'll, it is two, two years of in-seat classwork, and then we go out on a Deaconess internship for a year. So kind of the parallel in Deaconess world to the vicarage that MDiv students go on. And because it is a program in the graduate school, then we also either write a master's thesis or take a big test. And at that point, we can be receive a call and be certified. So one less year than the MDiv program. Um, yeah, what do I have to add to that? <laughs> that was very well put. <laughs> uh, tell us, Laura, about um, field, field work. So um, do you have responsibilities uh, on Sunday mornings or outside of the classroom? Right, so it kind of varies from church to church um, at my church. A typical Sunday, um, I might uh, read from the lectionary, do the readings. Um, we have these things, or we used to do these things called gathering words, which is like a little devotional before uh, the worship service. So all the field workers will take turns writing and giving those. Um, children's messages are a new thing that I'm starting to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, mid not midweek devotionals, but Sunday school um, Bible studies, that sort of thing. Um, and then we kind of work with the youth whenever we can, but time is somewhat limited. So that's what, that's what, um, our field church might look like, but we also have the institutional modules and the cross-cultural modules, which could be anything really. For me, I was on life team, uh, for my institutional module. And then, um, I'm still getting my cross-cultural module set up for this semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I'm going to be at a place called, all Among Us, um, which is, I don't know much about it, actually, but I know that they help women get out of difficult mm. situations. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I was about to say I was jealous, and that feels like a weird thing to say <laughs> about that, but I, that sounds like it'll be a really cool experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important experience, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, what you mean by cool is, like, it's... Uh, it would be a huge honor to walk with people going through such a traumatic uh, experience. And just goes hand in hand with the diaconal work that we get to do, um, providing spiritual care for women. And yeah. what a um, difficult but great experience in that you'll learn how to better help and care for a group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really... It's really cool the way that um, 
the the gap is kind of bridged between theology on paper versus theology in practice and like actually getting to um connect those dots a little bit more yeah. um you're like oh what i'm learning like it's not just theoretical <laughs> like this right. actually applies to people's lives and it matters right. Um, which you know that, but it's in practice, it's just a different experience. So, well, yeah, I mean, in discovering that as a student, I, I can remember those feelings and, and that, that process and that experience where, yeah, exactly. You start in your first year and you're learning a ton. I wasn't a theology student before I came to the seminary. So there was a, a curve that I had to go up a little bit to, uh, become a little more, uh, you know, inept at understanding scripture, applying scripture and all those other things. And then, you know, you, you learn all this egg-headed stuff and then you're sitting down in a classroom with somebody or in an institution with somebody who's struggling with life uh, and, and you're struggling with what to say. So you rely on your training and uh, you say something that is s- purely born of something that one of your profs says and then a, a light clicks in the person and you see that what you've uh, learned in the classroom has real impact on a person's heart, on their life, and can be transformative. Um, and it's, it's an incredible blessing, and it's a, an incredible uh, gift to be uh, called into ministry, to begin to study it, and then hopefully, you know, that will convert into a call and church work, and, and that'll become life. I try, like, I, I, I try to, like, when I do, like, my whole recruiting thing, uh, and people ask me, like, why I'm a pastor, and I always say, like, you know, a joy for people. I love people. And so where you could take a joy something that you love in the world and, and, you know, marry that together with your profession. Mm-hmm. That's like where you find your sweet spot. Um, and I can't imagine doing anything else. And I, I, I try to say it in such a way that everybody's going to be lining up at our doors to become pastors and deaconesses. Maybe one day, if you like, if you like under the fig tree and share it with somebody, maybe like subscribe and share. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's incredible. So exactly, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll, what I'm trying to get as in uh, all among us and I don't want to make a joke. I wanted to until you said what it was, but all I can think of was the game. Among I know. Us. I just have to say it now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's a cool name and I, I, I don't want to make a joke about it because it's, it seems like a really dynamic ministry, yeah. but all among us, it's just like, well, who's the imposter anyway? <laughs> hopefully not me, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> Larry, you mentioned um, you mentioned the life team and your institutional module. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so life team, um, it's really dynamic, actually, so very multifaceted. But um, they're a team here on campus, um, and they we have different. Um, why am I blanking on the name? But like little small groups, and we plan different things um, uh, according to our interests. So one thing might be specifically. Um, you know, ministering to women who have had abortions or something like that. Or um, one of my um, groups, we planned a memorial service for women who have lost children or for families who have lost uh, children and had miscarriages. And that was really impactful, I think. It was very interesting to see um, all the different people that you see every day that really hit me. And they... You could just tell that they had lost somebody really yeah. important to them, and yeah. they lost a kid, and like people that I work with or go to school with, and they're just really impacted by this memorial service. So that yeah. was that's something you don't think about all the time with like pro-life ministries. Like it really does reach into all these different areas of um, 
just valuing the sanctity of life all around, whether it be, you know, suicide prevention or anything like that, any sort of life issue. So it's really dynamic. They do a lot of different things on campus, but that's, that was the main thing that I did last semester was the miscarriage memorial. Hmm. Yeah. That's, um, it's, it's, a. Diaconal ministry deals with uh, what we call mercy ministry, and uh, sometimes it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, uh, people that are going through really heavy things in life need somebody to walk alongside of them mm-hmm. and give them hope, mm-hmm. uh, or or simply to walk alongside them and say, "You're not alone in your suffering." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's that's a, a beautiful and amazing amazing thing. So I'm interested um, in hearing what what made you come to Concordia Seminary. Um, what was the? We usually ask our our guests what was the path like um, going into ministry. But you're you're students. You're not in uh, the diaconal ministry yet. But you do have some kind of story for how you ended up here. So uh, I'm interested in uh, hearing from both of you. What was that story like? Well, um, for me, I I joke, right? I grew up in this very Lutheran ministry family. Um, my dad was a Lutheran pastor. My mom was a Lutheran school teacher. And so from a young age, I knew I wanted to help people. And seeing what my parents did, mm. it was kind of, well, I'm going to go into a some kind of Lutheran ministry. So I ended up going to Concordia, Nebraska, and was pre-deaconess with, um, I was going to do psychology as well um, and do uh, both of those programs. And then I had this moment where I was like, what are you doing? You know what church work is. You know it can be hard. You, like, nah. <laughs> like, you don't need this. Um, serving God is just as valuable in vocational work. I am going to get my... Uh, bachelor's of psychology, and I'm going to do counseling. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and so I joked that I have my Jonah moment. Sure. And so I ran away, not to Tarshish, but Tulsa. And <laughs> <laughs> I ended up doing a bunch of odd jobs, actually. I worked at a residential treatment center. I uh, managed a bar. Hmm. I worked at a tornado shelter business. Why Tulsa? Um, <laughs> uh a boy that's not Rob? No, I'm just, I'm just, actually, I'm just I wanted to be a nun before <laughs> exactly I met Rob. I that <laughs> you know, um, well, it was it was just a really weird kind of set of circumstances okay. that yeah. makes me sound too, like, withinist, you know. But I was kind of miserable working at, well, when I was managing the bar, so that was before sure. Tulsa. And uh, I was like, God, like, if I need to stay... I will stay. But if there's any other option, please let me leave this town. <laughs> and uh, it popped in my head. I just like, you should call your aunt who lives okay. in Tulsa. And so say, you have family at least. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so yep. she <laughs> just happened to call me the next day and said, okay. hey, I don't know why I think you should move here. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so that's my weird, cool. you know. And so it just worked out for me to do that. And mm-hmm. um, so as I was working at a tornado shelter business in Oklahoma. Uh, my church was looking to call a DCE, but they were it was a long process. Mm-hmm. And so they asked me if I would step in and do part-time work um, while and like start to build a program while they did that. And 
I was like, oh, well, they're going to pay me. I love kids. Um, I took all these theology courses in undergrad. I might as well use them. And uh, then they asked me to apply full time. And so I did. And then I have a specific memory of waking up like, oh, no, you're doing full-time ministry work. And I said I wasn't going to. Anyway, but I loved it. And after about five years or total being there, um, just I dealt with some really hard stuff with Mm. some of the kids. Um, Teenagers go through just a really rough time nowadays. And I was just... What it kind of, I was longing for more tools in my tool belt. If I was going to be doing ministry full time, I wanted education to be able to better help um, the people that I was serving. And I started noticing, man, I'm starting to care and help minister to the parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing these young adults that need connection in our congregation. And mm-hmm. what have, what are we doing for the widows past, you know, a couple months after their spouse dies, how can I be involved? And so my pastor and I started talking. He's like, mm. I think wow. maybe the Deaconess program. So sure. So how long was it from the time that you graduated college until the time that you started working at the church? A couple of years? Um, it ended up being about a year, I okay. think. Yeah. I. It seems like I have a lot of, uh, I know of a lot of um, students that graduate college and then they just need a few years to sort of try on life and figure out where are they headed next. Um, and um, I think that's a, a common experience. So um, would you say if you graduate college and you don't yet know exactly what you want to do with life, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. A plan will uh, eventually come to fruition. I, I very much think that. I think that um, God can use you wherever he puts you, wherever you end up. Yeah. And and I also kind of joke that if God wants you to end up in ministry, he's going to get you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you don't know what you're doing, it's okay. <laughs> well, not only that, <clears throat> I refuse to call myself a, a second career guy. Mm-hmm. I. I may have had a job with benefits before I went on and finished my degree and came to the seminary. Was it a career? Who's to say? I wasn't, anyway, I won't put it, I almost put an age cap and then I was going to trigger people. Uh, but those experiences of uh, that, those, what, six years before from graduation to mm-hmm. becoming a student here, it's going to be critical and it's going to uh, feed into how you can help people in different scenarios. Not saying that everybody needs that six years, but. I tell people all the time, had I gone to a pre-seminary program straight out of high school and come to the seminary when I was 22 years old, they never would have certified me for ministry. They would have failed me out and maybe years later would have let me come back and, and try the program again. So that, I, you know, before I, I started the process, you know, failing a little bit can be a, a good teacher. I'm not saying you failed. No, well, I think... <laughs> I, for me. Yeah. I've said the same thing. I think... If I would have, I mean, God could have still used me if I would have come directly after um, undergrad. But I think I kind of, for me, those yeah. years of maturing and learning lessons, 
I think shaped me to yeah. Yeah. take this step. Um, yeah. and I was I was watching uh, the Hobbit um, again last night, and uh, which one? The the first one, an unexpected journey, and the. I'm, I'm going to use this in some Bible study stuff that I'm doing with some college students in Iowa here coming up. Hopefully they're not listening and I'm uh, spoiling it for them. Um, but but uh, Gandalf comes, uh, for those that aren't familiar with the show The Hobbit, uh, Gandalf, this wizard, comes and he knows the plan that he has for Bilbo, um, even though Bilbo isn't entirely on board with the whole idea and it takes him quite some time and Gandalf just remains confident Mm -hmm. in who he wants to put in this position Um, and sometimes I think that's the way God does God is very confident he knows exactly what he's doing and why he wants us in a certain role and he'll just Mm -hmm. he'll just wait it's it's fine he doesn't freak out yeah, I think he waits and kind of like laughs a little. He's like, okay, you're not doing that. Sure. <laughs> so, Lara, let's hear from you. Yeah. Um, my dad is also a pastor, um, but he's the only other church worker in our family. Um, and it was kind of the opposite for me at first. I knew that I was never going to be a church worker. I did not want to do that. Um And I loved my church growing up, like I I really did, but I just, I didn't want to go into that. I was like, that's not for me. Um, So I kind of did some searching and, you know, different life circumstances came into play. Um, But I ended up kind of taking some time off of college. And that was my, like, I didn't search for very long after college. I came here straight after college, but I searched for a while in my college years and I ended up um, joining this program called the Lutheran Young Adult Corps, mm-hmm. which was really, really formative. Like, I just, I didn't know what I wanted <laughs> at that yeah. time. Like, yeah. um, so I just did it and just to try something. And I made, I came to St. Louis and I worked with churches here. Um, one was Historic Trinity in Soulard mm-hmm. um, doing their homeless ministries. Um, and the other was Holy Cross. They have Intersect. Yeah. Um, so I worked with them when they were first getting that started up. And um, I worked with their Compass after school program. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, one to fourth graders. Awesome, crazy kids. <laughs> I For loved sure. them. God bless you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad um, that somebody does that work. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I loved it so much that I, um, the whole group of us that were together that year uh, asked if we could reapply and do it for the summer too. So, um, yeah, that's what we all did. And we got put with extreme faith. Um, they're connected to, well, they work out of St. Trinity in South city. Um, and they host mission teams. And, um, I just really loved that so much. And it kind of opened the door to church work for me. And I started to think more about, um, mission opportunities and that sort of thing. I really wanted to jet off somewhere and get away from America. Like I just love, I love different cultures. So, which is why I ended up choosing anthropology, cultural anthropology for my major. But, um, and where was that? What college? Uh, Eastern New Mexico university. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not a Concordia. So 
theological education is new for me. It's nice. it's fun though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing that really opened the door for me. But I was still fighting it for a long time. It's funny. I was talking to Sarah and she said, they're probably going to ask you what, how you came to the seminary. And I said, well, how did I go to the seminary? <laughs> because I'm still figuring that out. And she said, well, you were on the fence for a while and then all of a sudden you were just coming and, and now you're here. And I said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. pretty much my story. Um, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, so yeah. I don't know where I was. Oh, yeah. So I, I went to college, and I was still kind of fighting it for a while, but I just kept coming back to that idea that maybe the Deaconess program would be right for me. Yeah. Um, and I had I had a pastor there, Thomas Reeder, who was really um, supportive. I mean, I had already kind of decided at that point to go ahead and apply to the Deaconess program, but he was super supportive. And I had my friend Rachel McCloskey, who you <laughs> – you tried to call me your last <laughs> Almost, almost did a mashup. I yes. caught myself. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had friends who were um, here in St. Louis and were just really encouraging me. So that was, that was a huge thing. Was having students here at the seminary like reach out and just yeah. encourage me to come. Um, well, and just a quick shout out to Rachel because she's another one of our deaconess students. Mm-hmm. Last summer, she helped me out with vocatio. Uh, our summer program. If you have a high schooler in your congregation. Uh, and they they might or might not be a good church worker in the future. Focaccio, June 21st. 20, no, it's not June 21st. June 24th to July 1st. Uh, free to attend. Just need to get here. Anyway. Uh, Rachel's awesome, yes. We love Rachel. Well, <laughs> so she was, um, we had a young lady come, and uh, it's it's always kind of this, who's allowed to be here? And so <clears throat> one of the things that I did, the previous summer as I asked uh, participants to invite a friend. And one participant invited a friend who wasn't even Christian to come. And at first I was like, you know, in conversation, like this is for students that are thinking about church work if she's not even in the church. I don't know if she'd be a good fit, but he advocated for her and I let her come. Long story short, after her conversations with Rachel, she left wanting to become baptized. And so my, uh, you know, Rachel went up way high in my, my, I, I have a very high opinion of deaconesses, obviously. So it was Dorothy's an honor that he almost called you. Uh, oh, I took it as an honor. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was yes, just a mix. Absolutely. Uh, our listeners know. So you're, you're not our first deaconesses on the program. You are our first deaconess students. My wife is a deaconess. I highly value deaconesses yeah. in the church. Every congregation needs one. Um, and I'm sure that you all have done incredible work. But you just mentioned Rachel McCloskey, so I just wanted to do a quick shout-out to yeah. These are the students in our, our program that we're producing. Um, sorry, I jumped in there. That's okay. Well, I, kind of, the I kind of like that you did do the mashup because, I mean, <laughs> the online program is great, sure. but something about the res- residential program that I've really loved is getting to also be formed by the other deaconesses. Yes. Sure. So yeah. I love, I, can't, I don't know, yeah. just the spiritual formation, like, think that we are formed in ways that we could never, no matter how much effort we put into the curriculum, like we could never form ourselves the way that we would want to. Like it really is the Holy Spirit working through different relationships. And um, I don't know, it is, it's really cool to see all the different ways that God works. Well, and I'm thinking of Rachel because I mean, this is, we love Rachel time. But like just 
something when she was my roommate before I got married um, in the Deaconess house and something that she, we would talk and uh, talk about things that were frustrating or we were dealing with. And she would, she would just look at me and she goes, well, do you want to pray about it right now? Yeah. And I'm I do want to pray about it right, right now. And most of the time people will be like, I'll pray about that for you. Right. Right. And she started the example that it's like, no, like, let's do this together. I'm not going to say I'm going to pray about it and then forget later, yeah. um, which is just that friendship and that uh, sisterhood, the, the sisterhood what, and the gifts. Dorothy says, yeah, yeah, the gifts that she has uh, have rubbed off. Oh, rubbed off on me. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. She's such a good example. Yep. <laughs> I want to ask too about um, so there, there's a there's a sisterhood among the, the deaconess students, um, and I know that you take some classes where it's just deaconess students together, but you take some of your classes with the guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Alyssa, you have a brother who went mm-hmm. uh, through here a few years before in the MDiv program, and I. Knowing you, I, I think you give Andrew a pretty good run for his money. Now, he's going to give me a hard time, and the <laughs> next time I see him, uh, which I hope he's at least listening, that would be the good brotherly thing to do. Um, so I'm just going to say for the record that Alyssa gives Andrew a run for his money, um, <laughs> and I'm going to ask, what's it like to take classes with, with guys who are studying for pastoral ministry while you're studying for diaconal ministry, what's that like? Well, it's fun, honestly. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, yeah. I enjoyed. I was able to take the summer languages, yeah. so I came, you know, two summers ago for summer Greek, and I was a little intimidated at first. Um, Until so, you started getting A's, and you saw the rest right. of your classmates. <laughs> Struggling. I think that's a trend with the right? I've heard that. that. I hear that all the time. I think like we're, with the, the guys are like, oh, we, yeah. we're getting beat. It, some of it's maybe like perfectionism, at least on my part, is like if I'm here, I'm going to do well. And sure. I'm gonna, awesome. Yeah. Um, but there was a really cool fellowship that started. And I was like, how are they going to handle? Like, I'm the only woman in this class, and that just kind of feels weird. Yeah. Um, but Honestly, the, the fellows in my class were so supportive and uh, really glad that I was there with them and we were able to just kind of use our different strengths and, yeah. you know, I could listen to the guys and mm-hmm. just, I don't know, we just built pretty strong friendships pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and then in some of our other classes, it's interesting that, I don't know how you feel, but I feel I think there have been times when we've been talking, especially about like practical situations where we've been able to give a female perspective mm-hmm. for like ministry application yep. that has been beneficial and that we've been able to have conversations about. Um, and as a deaconess, I think it's cool to see some of the formation of the pastors, because if we end up in parish, yeah. part of what we get to do is help support them right. as they do what they're doing. Yeah. And, I, and so I think it's just really valuable that we're able to see some of that for them too. Yeah. I think we're going to have a, a shift in our church body as uh, students have, um, I think, probably starting uh, maybe just a few years before me, um, 
guys started going to seminary with a few deaconess students and beginning to say, oh, I could, I could imagine uh, Laura or Alyssa or Rachel uh, at my congregation, and I could imagine the, the partnership, the, the theological um, partner in ministry, uh, because you, you have so much of the exact same theological training, um, especially in systematics, in, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, history, um, in, in the, the Bible courses. And so um, I, think, I think we will see our church body become more and more and more open to having deaconesses because it was a good experience sitting in class with you. Mm-hmm. But the, the perspective is always huge for me, and I, I don't know how many times I can say it on this show, but <clears throat> especially early in ministry, and it hasn't really changed much over almost seven years, where A, most congregations are predominantly women. And uh, guys, we're just not good at ministry to women. Some might be better than others, but holistically, it, it's there's going to be a gap there. And early on in ministry, I there was having a conversation with a, a young woman who was considering an abortion, and uh, she's texting me, and I looked at Dorothy and I said, "What do I say?" And and Dorothy said, hand me your phone. <laughs> it, it, it might as well have. Well, because in, in hindsight, you know, of course, I can't say to the young woman who's giving me credit and all this other stuff for all the help. I was like, well, I actually, you should be thanking Dorothy because she's the one who actually helped you. I'm just the idiot holding a phone. But it, it, it is those things where a guy's perspective in that scenario we might have good theological statements. We might be able to point you to God's word. Uh, but that understanding of what this young woman may or may not be going through there's there's just a gap that i can't quite cross uh for all of the created order uh reasons and and then you think about this young woman and you multiply that by every other woman in the congregation who's there faithfully to hear god's word but probably does need some level of hands-on one-to-one uh, ministry experience that that the pastor simply can't provide, and then you have a deaconess, and now that side of your congregation is being fed in a different way, uh, being nurtured in a different way, and the health of your congregation inevitably will just rise. And it's just a pastor deaconess combination in a congregation. Did I say combination in a congregation or con- anyway combination in a congregation? I, it was well, it's a match made by the church, and I think it. We, uh, hopefully, in the not too near future, that'll be a trend that grows, like Ben said. Just because, as we study alongside you guys, hear that perspective is just great listening to it. So, sometimes, off of what you said, sometimes when I try to explain to people, especially if they have no familiarity with what a deaconess is, I like to talk about actually creation. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, so we're the body, the church. And to care for his creation, God made man and he made woman to help, right? Right. They're like the power team that are able to perfectly care for God's creation um, before the fall. Um, And so in our churches, I think it's such a cool um, opportunity to be able to have that strong male and female trained role for the care of God's creation because he created both... um, to serve and to uh, nurture what God has made and put together. So 
I just think the value, like you said, is so. Um, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it, just the way that God created the world. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Just all the right stuff. Uh, I want to ask about classes uh, because your current students. Um, so I'm not going to ask you about your least favorite class because um, there there aren't any. Right. They're all they're all amazing. <laughs> But I, I am going to ask you about your most favorite class. So if you could pick just one class uh, that you've had so far, what's been the best class that you've had and and why? But, so, but imagine you ask them about their least favorite class, and they're like, well, Dr. Haupt. Yeah, well, thankfully, I haven't Do- had Dr. Haupt. No, either no, class, right? right? So, <laughs> um, so I also knew that they weren't going to say, it, got it, got it. they weren't going to feel pressured to say, well, Dr. Haupt. My favorite class was Wine Society, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's like saying your favorite class was recess. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The Wine Society, that was a pretty good answer, I think. We, we, do, um, we do enjoy Wine Society. Um, so... Good, Laura. Tell us what your yeah. favorite class is. That's really tough because I like different classes for different reasons. Mm. <laughs> um, well, we can we can take my, more than one answer. Yeah, one of my favorites this semester that really surprised me was my spiritual autobiography class. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a good class. Yeah, um, Schmidt is awesome. He's yeah. wonderful. Um, I didn't really know what it was when I took it. I just thought, oh, this sounds interesting. And I jumped in. Um, but it's really, it's learning to read people's, you know, stories, autobiographical stories, and the way that they see God working in their lives. Yeah. And then also kind of learning to form your own story and mm. see how God is working in your life. And it's really eye-opening mm. to all these different kind of narratives and mini narratives and then meta narratives that we have going on in our lives and um trying to put the pieces together and seeing how god is working in big and small ways Mm. and it also kind of makes you gracious towards more gracious towards other people when they're trying to tell their story because then you realize how hard it is to tell your story. <laughs> like, right, right, right. I, I'm kind of struggling with that right now, like putting my own story together. Mm. Um, it's a lot more difficult than it seems. And yeah. so it kind of, I don't know, it gives, it lends charity to other people's experiences and oh. the way that they're trying to put their, their story together. Um, and what, what books uh, have you read for that class? Because I, I always hope at least that our listeners are listening and uh, making a book list of things that they should read mm-hmm. uh, before they come to seminary. So um, what have been some of the fun books that you yeah. read for that course? So far, we've read uh, St. Augustine's Confessions, um, classic. One of the best <laughs> books ever. It, it was, yeah, that was the first time I actually read it through, yeah. and it was yeah. very good. Um, and then we've read John Donne's um, Devotions Upon Emergent Occasions, which mm-hmm. is... Um, kind of autobiographical, but it's these devotions that he wrote during this time of sickness with typhus, fever. Um, and then we just started reading Seven Story Mountain by uh, Merton, and yeah. that's been really good so far as well. Very different from Confessions, and that it's a little easier to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. easier to digest, <laughs> right. but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have Thomas Merton on my shelf, but I've never read it. I need to... Um that would be a. I read. I read Confessions last uh, Lent, actually, mm-hmm. for my Lenten devotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but awesome! So spiritual autobiography. Yeah, 
And that's one of the more, like, it seems theoretical, but it's actually quite practical. And I'm kind of taking some things that I'm learning from that class and applying it to my um, other practical class, spiritual care in the word. And we've been learning how to do active listening and counseling with people. And it's actually helping in that realm as well. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how the classes kind of fit together as well. I, it's it's so exciting. I, it almost makes me want to like go back to school and take another class. <laughs> you say that, <laughs> and I, I love all my classes. But man, the work can the work and the work. I, I'm just messing around. I was just the, we have conversations about workload and PhD coursework. But I wanted to before you, Ben distracted me. ADHD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I imagine that the course. Is it spiritual biography? Is yeah. Because Dorothy's in that class. Is, mm-hmm. is she in that yes, class it, with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, I was going to say, I imagine, at least for other people's story, I, writing our own biography can be difficult sometimes. But with the background in cultural anthropology, it, might, it mm-hmm. seems like it might be quite natural for you to hear, listen, and try to piece together important things that people are saying. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to hear, like, anthropological theory and speak here on seminary compared to in my secular university Mm -hmm. is very different. And, you know, I feel like we didn't get into all that much theory, um, Mm -hmm. lots of smaller facts whenever I was in university and we didn't start getting into the theoretical until like my senior year, Mm -hmm. um, which was really too bad. Um, but yeah, it, it does kind of play into my natural interests a little bit. Yeah. So it's really, it's really I, interesting. I took exactly one course last term on cultural anthropology and Christian perspective. So naturally, now I'm an expert. Uh, but reading like ethnographic work, uh, in fact, the, especially um, theory of the power of narrative mm-hmm. really grabbed onto me. And I was like, man, hearing people's stories and letting people say their story in their words mm-hmm. and actually hearing how they tell their story mm-hmm. as opposed to assigning their story is such an incredible thing that uh something we should all learn from right listening to other people's stories and and letting them have meaning for their lives as opposed to saying well this is what this means for you mm-hmm. i think it's really really great awesome any other courses beyond um what was my i i love my interpreting the word class last semester that was a lot of Fun, is, actually. <laughs> this so one, tell us about it. What, what okay, what's yeah. what's fun? What was fun yeah. about it? So that was my introduction exegetical course, mm-hmm. um, and I had not taken Greek. So Dr. Golden did his best to make it work for those of us who hadn't taken Greek that yeah. summer. Um, but I I just really enjoyed it. I don't know. I I like languages. I didn't take Greek because. I didn't want to be here that summer. Like I couldn't get here that quickly. Sure. <laughs> so, um, right for deaconesses, you don't have you to don't take have the, to. the Greek yeah. or Hebrew. You yes. can if you if you. But like. honestly, I would recommend it. Like it, it really does. From taking Hebrew, it does make a difference. And mm. whenever we were in our exegetical class, I was just like, man, I wish I could. I wish I knew Greek <laughs> because this would be awesome. But you still you, you get so much knowledge even without it. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was interesting to see how an exegetical study would be done, and um, just feeling a little bit more confident reading and interpreting scripture because yeah. that's uh, new for me on the more professional level. I guess I, I don't want to call it. A, sure. I mean, it is a profession, but you know, yeah. like to to be more of an authority in that realm because I know people will be coming to me with questions. So, yeah, that was awesome. 
Cool. So Alyssa, how about for you? Um, I like that course too a lot. Um, but I, I'd say my, it's hard to pick a favorite because again, there's favorites for different reasons. Um, I really enjoyed uh, my ethics course last year. Mm. Um, I think the, the, I don't know, the class name was something slightly different for Deaconess students. Um, but it was uh, taught by Dr. Bierman this go around and the idea about, right? Like, so we have law, we have gospel, um, but what does it look like to live out our faith? And what are we as Christians doing to um, do what Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, right? And right. actually live out what he says, yeah. not just sit on our laurels of grace, which is grace is fantastic, um, but what do we go as do. redeemed Christians, like how are we serving our neighbor? Yeah. And that was, I think, extremely helpful. Um, we read a lot of good stuff. So we read Cost of Discipleship mm. um, by Bonhoeffer. We read um, some Hauerwas. We read some, um, I'm trying to remember, it was Common Callings and Ordinary Virtues. I'm trying to remember who the, that was the title. I'm trying to remember actually who the author it's was. It's not Robert Benny, is it? I don't think so. We actually did read some of, yeah, uh, we Benny. read some articles by him as well, but it just gave you really interesting perspectives um, about how Christians do um, their faith, live their yeah. faith mm -hmm. yeah. to serve neighbor. Um, That's awesome. And so that was really fantastic. I also did um, an independent study with Dr. Olowski, mm. which was fantastic. It was so hard because yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm not a researcher. I love learning things. He is though. But he is a researcher, <laughs> and he's gonna like. What was really cool is he was gonna push you to reach your potential. So yeah. he's like, "You can do this. Wow. You can do these readings. You're gonna write me a very beautiful paper." I, I don't know. I'm not saying it was beautiful, but it's it's going to be correctly formatted. It's mm. going to be you know, academic language. And I was really uh, apprehensive, maybe, but he was also very supportive mm. and instructive through the whole process. Yeah. So um, thinking about writing a thesis in the future, it was also a good test run. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was the topic of the class? So it was, we started out just looking at um, women in the early church mm, yeah. and the paper I ended up writing was looking at singleness in the cult of virginity in mm. the early oh, church, yeah. specifically looking at women to see how actually in spite of the weird cultural taboos, right? So they had a lot of weird philosophical ideas about what was woman, <laughs> right, what is right. feminine and what it means to be feminine and masculine and just uh, women's role in culture, um, whether you were in the West or in the East, just kind of the difficulties that were there with being female and still how the church actu actually held supported ministry positions, respected ministry positions mm. um, for women and um, as a, a very important female part of the church yeah. and conversation partners for a lot of um, the respected church fathers. So it was so cool. Yeah, that's like, awesome. I, I learned a lot that, who knows, um, I'm, I'm thinking of taking some of that 
in future thesis nice. um, work. But That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure that um, your mother-in-law probably did a little bit of work in early church. She certainly did. Cheryl Nauman did a little bit of work mm -hmm. on Phoebe. Uh, that's the name of the book. That is, um, in the Footsteps of foot, Phoebe. Footsteps yeah. of Phoebe. Um, but yeah, there, there is, um, I, I love the early church. Uh, that was my PhD. And so, um, yeah, that's fantastic. I might have to ask you about some sources concerning St. Macrina. So mm. if you have anything. <laughs> I'm I'll, have to, um, I'll have to do a little research on that. Yeah. Um, I have not read anything. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. That'd be fun. Awesome. So um, we've talked about their path. We've talked about their experience here. We talked about academic experience, but should we, we should talk a little bit about life, what's the yeah, life experience of a deaconess on campus. What's it like to live on campus, walk down past uh, Pastor Glenn's house, Dr. Haupt's house, and we're out there barbecuing or whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, my What's kids it, are making you a don't mess have to in their talk yard. About That's that, usually what their experience <laughs> with my family is. What, what, what is it like to live on campus? Um, I, um, I just moved on campus uh, this semester, and it's kind of life-changing, actually. Mm -hmm. Although it's also awkward sometimes because one day I was late to class, and, you know, I lived down the street from all of my professors. <laughs> and I was booking it down the street, and it just seemed like everybody was out that day. <laughs> Trust like, me that nobody, nobody knows your schedule. Yeah. And I... I typically don't like, walk my weekend. dog through the Winnikin Seek um, alleyway yeah. um, at like 8.15 because I have my stocking cap on and I'm still like in my, you know, sweatpants. And, um, so, yeah, I, I get it, though. Yeah. But, yeah, it's awesome. I feel like there's always something happening on campus. That's I mean, true. really, there's just so much effort that goes into creating a community here. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's nice to kick back from time to time and just um, have fun with your friends. I feel like I've made really good friends here, which yeah. is nice. There's, it's like a different world. I mean, it's a it's a weird bubble being on For campus. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like a small small little world. I I'm really enjoying it while I'm here because I've definitely been outside of that bubble for pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, it's kind of cool to get a taste of that yeah. community and. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, and I, I'll echo um, a lot of what you said about being on campus. I've had the interesting experience of I've I've lived on campus the whole time, mm -hmm. and so I lived as a single student, and I'm recently married in November, so now I'm living in the married housing, and they're both. I I really loved both experiences. Mm -hmm. So living in single housing or uh, the Deaconess House um, mm -hmm. was fantastic i feel like i got to know a lot of the professors and actually their families yeah, i yeah. the the crew of children on this campus i just <laughs> love them and uh so you get to have that camaraderie mm -hmm. um with the faculty because so many of you guys do live on campus now which i think is fantastic yeah. and so we're able to um build those relationships in an out of class kind of way sometimes, right. um, especially with the families, which I think is really cool. And 
then there's always stuff going on. So, man, when the weather's nice, there's like three different fire pits that you can find that have people around them. And so uh, whether it's doing fires, uh, just taking walks around the campus or like Propenstein Mm -hmm. events Mm -hmm. that the Student Association puts on or SWA puts on, like the Student uh, Women's Association, there's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. And now I, I did marry an MDiv student. Um, (laughs) no and he's fantastic I love him so much and uh, I'm excited to be a a team a ministry team with him but now we think we we like him too but but he's he's definitely better off now (laughs) that's that's always the case yeah we uh strengthen each other right yeah but now we're in the woods in married housing and that's a different kind of experience um which is really fun as well especially now that it's getting nice outside mm-hmm. yeah. so you can it's so communal like you go outside and like just everybody's having their kids come play at the park and yeah like, and yeah. we're right by the park and so we just like the other day I went outside because my sad plants from it being winter that I had to take inside I was repotting a bunch of them and getting in the mood for spring a little early and uh, my next door neighbor was outside painting um, a picture that she found in the dumpster that she was repurposing. Wow. And so we just started talking and I lent her, I was going to lend her a paintbrush and then we like swap plant stuff. And <laughs> then I like her kids came over. So I like taught them about what I was doing and had them help me. And it was like wow. <laughs> family, yeah, <that's> <laughs> just yeah. very communal, which yeah. is I, I, I've loved. Yeah. 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 That's a big, that's, that's really important to us. President Egger, um, recently was asked about some of the most uh, or some of the top reasons to come to Concordia Seminary and community uh, was uh, was in that top three. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, it's really important to him. And I think it's really important uh, for ministry in our crazy world because people are so hungry for relationship, especially relationships with people that you can trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. So, so living on campus, being here, the, the, uh, anything else that you want to stay, say about the student experience outside of the classroom? I feel like I'm missing something key, but I don't know what. <laughs> well, this is a test. Um, <laughs> we'll let you know if you're great after. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Come, it's. It's great. It's a, it's a lot. Like I don't know what I expected, honestly. Sure. But somehow it's different than what I wasn't expecting. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> um, it there's just a lot going on all the time, but it's actually really wonderful, and it's it's a lot more than than I hoped for. So. Well. Yeah, I'd say it's just it's been an unexpected amount of fun. Hmm. Yeah. Being on campus. Yeah. Um, Would you say it's been an unexpected journey? Ooh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well played. Full circle. <laughs> God, that's what we can just, you know, title this episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpected an journey. unexpected journey to Deaconess. Deaconess ministry. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we should probably get to our, um, our fun little bit called Ripe for the Picking or Leave it on the Tree. And... While um, Mike is getting up his list, I will just say 
uh, to our listeners. If I uh, stepped on any toes last week, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, sometimes I get a little overzealous when I'm talking about cats, and um, I know that people love their cats, and I, in the same way that I love my dog, um, she is. Uh, she's brought so much joy to our life. So um, they are not worthless creatures. They are good creatures of God, and um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How about that for a, like internet apology? Right? Hey, I don't want to get canceled. I was gonna say you <laughs> were like on you your had way. Your first selfie and your first internet apology. <laughs> right. Like all, look at you. All, all in one episode. Oh man. Uh, you know. Anyway. I'm not going to get myself canceled. There yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. All right. You're going to start us off or <laughs> sure. you want me to? All right. Go I for can. It. Uh, so, right for the picking or leave it on the tree, carrot cake. I say right for the picking, depending on the carrot cake. I've had bad carrot cake. Hmm. I will. I'll leave that one on the tree. <laughs> what's but, What's bad carrot cake taste I, like? That's a good question. An actual it's like, carrot. <laughs> like dried out? Yeah, I think maybe dry yeah. and just, I don't know. You just, you know it when you taste it. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd pick it. I'm not a big cake person, mm. but yeah. if I'm going to eat cake, the carrot cake with like the cream cheese frosting. I know, anything yeah. with cream cake. cheese frosting. Oh. It's like, right. and it's a little spicy. A little yeah. Different. Spicy? Yeah, like there's lots like the of spices. There's like, lots oh, of like not, okay. not heat <laughs> spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought like <laughs> chipotle carrot. Yeah, you don't put sriracha on your, okay. on your carrot cake. Weird. <laughs> I, I'm like uh, I'm almost allergic to spice. Um, our whole team knows it. They, they just laugh whenever I uh, even get close to spice because I just start sweating. But yeah, carrot cake for me is absolutely ripe for the picking. Um, mm -hmm. I love carrot cake. The icing is good. Yeah. But have you seen that episode of The Office when they get a carrot cake for the party? No. And what season? It, it, yeah, it's, it's, so it's beyond Mike. It, it is beyond Michael's departure. I think it's maybe oh, season no. eight. What's the context? <laughs> uh, well, we don't need to talk it's about okay. that. Long story short, <laughs> Kevin is like, there's literally vegetables in the cake, and he's not going for it. it, it Kevin, it's not the, the broccoli eater. It, <laughs> that was one of the best. It's uh, it's not terrible. But it would be my last choice of cake. <laughs> like if if we're going to like a party and somebody's like, "There's cake," and the cake option is carrot cake, it's a little disappointing to me. Oh man! Mm. But I don't like to be rude, so I might eat it. It's not like it's gonna. If there's cake, I'm going for it. I just. You'd rather have vanilla with like. A hundred percent. I'll okay. take a yellow cake with regular, not frosted icing. That is a waste of creation. With sprinkles. Uh, icing. The frosted icing, like whipped. Frosted icing is so lame. No, like buttercream, bad for you, yellow cake, buttercream icing. I'm good to go. That's all I need. doesn't need to be fancy, but, you know. All right. It also doesn't need vegetables on. in it. <laughs> so, right for the picking or leave it on the tree, <laughs> sleeping in. Right for the picking, man. <laughs> I'd sleep in every day if, how, I could. if If you didn't have anybody waking you up, how late could you sleep in? Do you know? Um, it depends. Like, it depends what my, um, what's the word? What's Schedule? The what's your, like, yeah, 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 circadian yeah, rhythm. Circadian. What my circadian rhythm is on at the time. I like being up early, but I also love to sleep in as long as I want to. Mm. So, I don't know. 
I love mornings. I actually love mornings. I'm just, God did not make me one of those people that wakes up well in mm. the mornings, if mm. that makes sense. Yep. So I make myself get up and I run in the mornings um, and usually feel a little miserable, but then, you know, there's the sunrise and there's birds and there's coffee. So that part is great, but I just usually feel like a trash can. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> The days I get to sleep in and just wake up naturally, mm. which right now, since I'm used to waking up early for classes or running, I mean, maybe sleep until nine. Wow. I, yeah, I don't know I, if I could do nine. I could, oh, I'm sure that I, I, it's leave it on the tree for me. And I wish that I, I wish that I could sleep in. I woke up at four o'clock this morning and I was awake yeah. and that's just the just way it was going to be. Yep. Interesting. I mean, I go to bed at nine o'clock, so yeah. you know, it, it, what you're gonna do. But um, yeah. yeah, I five o'clock is my if if I'm, I wouldn't sleep past five five thirty probably. That would be like, I would really have to. I would be surprised if I slept past five thirty. I was gonna say like it depends on what if what sleeping in sleeping in for me is is like seven a.m. Mm. Most people are probably cringing a little bit. My alarm goes off at four thirty. I go to the gym in the morning, but like if if I woke up at 9 a.m., I would have anxiety for the rest of the day because it would feel like I wasted the day. I'm one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and then plus, that's impossible because if I tried to sleep until nine, my kids would fight by <laughs> by seven, and I'd be awake anyway, and I'd have to you know pull David and and Jonathan apart. They don't they don't allow it. My kids are too young to sleep in. But yeah, seize the day. Early bird gets the worm. That's what I tell people. So mm-hmm. I'm also not a morning person, though. So I do get up early in the morning, uh, but I am very grouchy <laughs> until about 9 a.m. Oh, yeah, I got to have some cups <laughs> yeah, of coffee. I minimum, told my wife uh, early on in our marriage, I, I don't like to talk before I've had a couple cups of coffee. She's She, she likes to talk right <laughs> right as soon as she wakes up. Yep. Oh, serious, deep conversations as well. Yeah. Like, well it, if, if this is what it takes for you to get your way, the answer is yes. Do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. Uh, My leave dad me alone. bought me one of those coffee mugs, right, that has, like, the lines right. for when you're allowed to speak. Because, yeah, yeah, in the morning, I'm yes, like, mm. exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, right for the picking or leave it on the tree. Dad jokes. I say right for the picking. <laughs> right for the picking. I, I have to jokes. with who my father is and yeah. who yeah. I married. So... <laughs> So I'm gonna say something, and you're gonna laugh. Okay. And you're gonna, you're, you're probably gonna make fun of me. But is it a dad it's, joke? It's leave it on the tree for me. No, I don't. Really? I don't like dad jokes, but I think I sometimes make them. Huh. <laughs> How about this one? What's the difference between people in Dubai and the people in Abu Dhabi? I don't know. People in Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but the people in Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> All right, Ben doesn't like that. That's jokes. the laugh I usually give yeah. to a dad oh. joke. <laughs> I, I just heard that one today on on Instagram. Oh. It made me chuckle when I first heard it. It's not yeah. funny, but the first I, time I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that's a good one." I knew you'd get a, a kick out of it. Well, yeah, no dad. Ben is very serious. <laughs> I am very <laughs> he, he, serious. Like, and we it's it's funny because we like well we work together. We do this podcast together, and I'm I'm not like not serious, but I'm not serious. And so the funniest that I ever <laughs> am is like when I'm on the podcast, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's hanging out with you or something. It could be. I don't know. I'll take I, credit. I save up for all of my laughs for just during the podcast episode. And then like I've gotten them out of my system for the week. Well, look yeah. at that. I mean, 
I don't tell a lot of dad jokes, but I like them when they're like super. I'm, I, I I tell people lean into the cheese. Cheesy is okay. We no. need a little more cheese nope. in the world. Anyway, nope. well, Ben's, no, we don't. Ben doesn't like cheese. There we go. Anyway, I just how like about laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right for the picking or leave it on the tree? Sudoku. You know the numbers. Yeah. Um, one through nine. I don't really play it that much. I somebody sent me a video one time of this guy who like solves Sudoku <laughs> puzzles just as YouTube videos and I weirdly watched like the whole thing I was like this is kind of soothing but I just don't really play myself sure. leave it on the tree I feel like I'm being very like just pick all the fruit but no, all right. I know I'll take it also I'll take that off the tree I don't like numbers I'm not a math person but for some reason Sudoku like I will take that over all of the other like puzzle books if it's crossword no, or crosswords. word surge yeah. like Sudoku just you can get into like a rhythm with it. Right. And it's relaxing. It's like a puzzle yeah. and you fix it. It's nice. It's it's also ripe for the picking for me. <laughs> when, when I go to my in-laws, my mother-in-law has always saved the newspaper clipping because she knows that I like Sudoku. And right. so she'll always have some Sudoku puzzles sitting out, which I'll admit uh, helps to pass the time a little bit. Well. <laughs> I, I love my, my in-laws. Uh, they're probably not watching because they're not podcasters. But, sure. um, but yeah, um, Sudoku kind of helps to pass the time. Sudoku is very right for me. I have, a, yeah. I have a Sudoku app. Yeah, you're a math guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when I'm traveling, if I'm on a plane, I'll put some music on oh, in my ears. Sure. And I do, I, like, I, I warm up with the medium, skip to the hard, and then, you know, Rage wow. on an I've expert. I've never used Sudoku as an app before, but I think I'm going to. It's 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 super. Well, fun. not only that, you can you can judge yourself against other people because it'll be like, oh, only man. like fifty percent of people can solve this one. It's like well, I'm about to be one of these right. fifty, and then yeah. you solve it, and then it'll tell you like how fast you did it compared to other people. Oh, exactly. Like you solved this one I'm, faster I'm than this that. person. Exactly. It's like yeah. I am so much better than. Other people yeah, in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, just to like run <laughs> away. Oh, man, I meant like the 98% of people could have solved this. <laughs> but I'm happy. Uh, so I, I, I'm I, okay with my crossword. I, 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 I do a warm-up with medium and because it, it has it has easy, medium, hard, expert. And so it's, yeah, warm-up with medium, get to the hard ones. I Like when I'm really in it, I won't even use notes. So I won't like write down the possible numbers. I just oh, yeah. plug right. them up in here. Yep. And that's how I know I'm really on. Yeah. And when my ADHD superpower is really pumping uh, super high. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. And then I'll get to the expert one. I'm like, this is unsolvable. Like, this is, this is just here to make people lie. Nobody's ever solved this one because I can't. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Love Sudoku. Anyway. Last one for me. Ripe for the picking or leave it on the tree. Sports docuseries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> that is, that you might can be interpret the best, that as you will. <laughs> that might be the best response to a, a right for the pig and leave it on the tree that we've ever had on the entire podcast. I mean, but it sounded like a sports buzzer to me. That's the thing. Anyway, <laughs> that is true. It was well played. <laughs> Got it. All right. Um, yeah, I'm also going to have to leave that oh, on the tree. Okay. Um, I'm not not a sports person i will say they have value in that my husband is a sports person and he's getting mad because i like to watch shows very slowly oh sure and he started watching you know we're watching the same shows and so he can't watch them if i'm not there and right. so 
he just watch, watches sports docu-series. And so I can just do, it, do that. I, I'm going to say like, Coco Melon, yeah. but like eight, eight years from now. He will watch them without you, right. and and like the the when you watch them together, it'll just be on your profile, not his. But anyway, and then he'll pretend like he hasn't seen it yet. But he's gonna watch them without you eventually, probably mm -hmm. sooner than later. It's absolutely. <laughs> I'm telling Dorothy, it's she absolutely knows. leave it on the tree for me. In fact, I, I remember uh, just a couple of weeks ago we were, I don't know, we were scrolling through channels or something, uh, and my kids asked, "Wait, this is an old." football game and people like watch this classics like this is this is it's not happening right now right dad right this happened like 20 years ago and they're like why would somebody watch a game that happened 20 years ago don't they already know what happened and i was like yeah i don't i don't get it either i mean i it's for the the highlights and for all yeah. these uh classic moments but yeah the whole sports thing is just lost on me as our viewers and listeners know i was a little more nuanced than what you just described by the way so a classic game has little value to me because of all this you've seen the plays if it's a highlights thing sports docuseries is more like bts behind the scenes sure like michael jordan netflix mm -hmm. save the uh, not save the last dance that's a movie but the last dance it's all sports to me well anyway it, it's, it's just so good man i'm, I'm a huge sports person yeah. it's kind of the same thing dorothy loves sports because she loves me uh, she does. There are sports that she likes, but she'll never watch a sports docu series with me. Anyway, right, just threw it out there. You never know who likes. She what. probably doesn't play Call of Duty with you either. Well, though, so. I, I've, I've offered and asked. I'm like, you know, we could. We could. You could have started with in Halo. We could. We could be a dynamic duo on Xbox as well. But yeah, she's not interested. And also, if she wasn't good, it would never work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mike can be kind of cutthroat. I, I'll, right. I'll show you this clip I just had on. Anyway. Right for the pick it. and leave it on the tree. Last one for me. Uh, this one's kind of a hot topic right. um, because uh, it, it's kind of come up as a topic of conversation and culture m fairly recently. Um, so right for the pick it or leave it on the tree, electric stoves. You know that they're, they're talking about gas stoves. Mm -hmm. You've heard about the conversations about gas stoves. You, we read different news articles, but anyway. Have you heard about this, that like, they're talking about gas banning gas stoves? They're going to ban gas stoves? That's sad. See, that, I would leave my electric stove. Like, I would leave it on the tree, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. I prefer a gas stove. I would indifferent it on the tree. <laughs> have you ever used an electric so, stove? The, so my parents have an electric stove. What's nice about the electric one is the cleanup, I think, is way easier. So... This is true. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Like, you don't have to pick up the grate and, like, scrub everything off. Oh, the, the glass the top? The glass top. Oh, that's still electric, like an induction. Right? That's an induction. Yeah. I would oh, wow. Well. When I think of electric stove, I think of the coil. Yeah. Oh, then I'll leave that on the tree. I have one of those right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was a kid, so it's totally leave it on the tree for me. They heat up. It takes forever for them to heat mm -hmm. up. Uh, but my babysitter... Uh, Bad babysitter move. She said, um, why don't you check to see if the, if the no. stovetop is hot? So I put my hand on it, and I had the rings oh, yeah. around my hand. <laughs> uh, bad move. Yeah. Um, that's, that's absolutely leave it on the tree. So, yeah, I hope that um, they don't ban gas stoves because I love my gas stove. Mm -hmm. 
as a self-proclaimed home chef, I prefer a gas stove. Yeah. Uh, for I, just control of the heat consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We in our old house we had an induction stove, and when it gets the temperature, it cuts off. Oh. Yeah. And it doesn't cut back on until it dips down, and that up right. and down and up and down is very annoying. If it was, uh, I am kind of a care for creation person. So if they said we couldn't have gas stoves, I wouldn't make a fit about it. But I think I might. Well, anyway, <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. I didn't know. If they come up with better induction technology, I wouldn't be so upset. Yeah. It would have to be a lot better. Well, we could talk all day about <laughs> stoves, but we probably shouldn't for the sake of our listeners. It's been really great to have you on. It's yeah. really, really great to have you on campus. Um, and I am really glad for all that uh, you bring to campus, but all that, so also all that you're going to take out into our church body. So thanks for being on. Um Quickly, before we sign off, if you had any uh, advice, one piece of advice for somebody listening who may be considering the deaconess program uh, and becoming a student here, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, something practical. I mean, obviously, keep praying about it. If you're struggling with the same thing that I struggled with, like, am I really right for this? You know, mm. is God really calling me? <laughs> um, yes, he calls sinners, by the way. So just FYI, um, we're all there. Um, but a practical piece of advice, don't be so worried about knowing too much mm. before you get here because you mm. really will be formed while you're here. And three to four years isn't enough to learn everything anyway. So you're going to be learning yeah. things all your life. Yeah. Just come and start now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think my best advice is you use the resources that the sim has for you to learn about the sim mm -hmm. um i had been able to visit campus just through um, my older brother attended so i had been able to kind of know a little bit about it that way but um so get on campus if it's possible if it's financially feasible get here and to experience a little of it for yourself and then be in conversation with your the admissions team i mean i think i talked to dr bond we had who's the head of the deaconess department right. so we had at least four phone calls that were over an hour to a couple hours a piece yeah. where i just talked she to her loves our students yeah where Absolutely. she just talked me through it and my worries and but listened and mm -hmm. kind of directed me towards the information that i needed so don't be afraid if it's in your head. Don't be afraid to reach out to the team that we have here that wants to talk to you. They want to give you information. So if you've thought about it, it's worth a conversation. And I think so if you've thought about it, it's worth a visit mm. as well. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that. Well, Laura, Alyssa, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for all of your insights and just echoing everything that Ben said. It's a pleasure having you as students. Uh, great value. Um, yeah. And if you're listening and you yourself are thinking about potentially becoming a church worker or you know somebody who's going to be a church worker, uh, please share the episode with them. Uh, if you yourself are considering it, reach out to us. Uh, it's free to fill out a request for information on our website. 
uh, and it's, it's not a guarantee that will will make you apply. Although I think we're pretty good at getting you there. Uh, but if you know somebody, uh, don't just think about it. Make sure to tell them uh, because you might be the person that uh, encourages them to take that next step, to go on, to apply, become a deaconess, become a pastor. And who knows what they might do for the sake of the body of Christ. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next time under the fig tree.